Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. We are closing in on 27,000 YouTube subscribers, so please Please subscribe if you are new here. Uh, we got an emergency Bears podcast going on right now. So when live news happens, CHGO has you covered. Got a full CHGO White Sox crew with me today. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He's got a brand new post out all up at allchgo.com talking about Pedro Grafal and how he takes it day by day within a five-day range, maybe even 10 days if he's feeling a little bit up, a little bit uh, bold. Take it easy there. That's uh, <laughs> that's outrageous to suggest. But uh, great great insight about what Pedro Grafal is trying to set up in spring training. And then we also got Herb Lawrence. Hello. Our CHGO White Sox community leader. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. I do want to just go to the Vinny article real quick um, because it talks about White Sox pride. And I want to throw this out to you guys. What is White Sox pride slash identity slash culture? Is it just the kind of bravado that they played with in 2021, 2020 that we kind of didn't see in 2022? Uh, I, let's put it this way. I think when, when that's being mentioned, I think it's very, very specific to every year's team, right? And it's, and it's certainly more specific to the fact that you've got a new coaching staff coming in and a new leadership group that can kind of um, – craft things in the way they want to. I think it's very much coach speak or uh, executive speak kind of thing to be like, we're going to do things the fill in the team name blank uh, way, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I think you've heard it about so many teams now, you know, the the team way that has become almost a bit of a joke uh, in certain areas. But um, I think in general, it's just a, a broad reference to the way they want to do business and the way they want to uh, play. And, and I think Pedro laid that out in his introductory press conference, really hitting some notes that a lot of fans really appreciated because it was he was talking about stuff that those fans thought they didn't see or didn't see uh, from last year's team when things went so poorly. Um, but let's put it this way. If the White Sox turn things around uh, this year and play well and win a division and, and go far in the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of the same things that, or the fruits of a lot of the same things that, for example, Rick Hahn has been talking about for a very long time, right? It's not that, oh, we're going to completely overhaul the organizational identity and that's going to lead to different results. I think it's more, listen, this organization is made up of a lot of the same people that it has long been made up of, as, as fans like to point out on a regular basis. Now you've got Pedro Grafol coming in there, and from him on down, he can influence you know, the way things are done Um I think you look at a lot of 
the same things that everybody always talks about, right? Character and, and doing the things the right way, hard work, attention to detail, all that thing. Um, and that's good. You want, you want to be like that, right? Those are, those are positive qualities. I don't know if it's necessarily unique to uh, the building and the people who uh, are in there at 35th and Shields, but um, I think it's something that they can use as a rallying cry. It's kind of, like I said, a little bit of that coach speak, a little bit of that executive speak, but uh, uh, in the end, it is a positive thing. <laughs> I mean, to think about it, about Ozzy's team in 2005, they called it Ozzy Ball because it was small ball and you get a bunch of uh, guys on the bases who are stealing and all that stuff. And that's what people thought the identity of the White Sox in that era was. That team hit 200 home runs plus. So small ball, they were not. So it's just, uh, I think it's just a, a change from the old guard. Uh, Jerry Manuel was one way, Ozzy was another way. You go from an older guy like Tony LaRusso, who people thought didn't have control of this clubhouse. Now you have a guy like Pedro Grafal who seems a little bit more locked in and, you know, it's early in this uh, situation. He hasn't even managed a real baseball game, but I guarantee you if the White Sox start winning this year, it'll be reverted to Pedro ball. This is how they win because Pedro came in here with his five uh, days in a row of just thinking about those goals and not the long-term. And I love the the fact that you got the quote from Lucas Giolino. I think we heard it in your interview with him, uh, Vinny down there in Arizona, just pretty much like, yeah, every manager comes in here and says, we're going to win the World Series. And it's like, yeah, how are we going to do that type of thing? And so it's good and refreshing to see Pedro being an outsider, bringing a different perspective. And I don't know what this, the identity of the White Sox is. It's whatever Tim Anderson is throughout that. Like if Tim Anderson is that funny, gregarious, start up uh, the offense guy, that's what the White Sox identity will be. They named a whole slogan after him. Yeah. And two, like... uh with Pedro and just any new manager, it seems like the biggest buzzword is always culture. And it just seems like that culture really defines itself once you win. And we saw now Jose Abreu go over to Houston and he says all of this culture, mainly because there's just rings uh, all right. over the place. Like it seems like, you know, there is that example or when you walk into a place like that, that everyone is there to win. And that's what Jose Abreu is saying is that, you know, it's all about trying to make everyone better each and every day. And maybe that's what the White Sox are, are trying to get to. It's just something very small, very minor that you don't really see from the outside. I think you hit it right on the head. It, you know, it's only going to be a talking point if things go really, really well or really, really bad. Right. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the White Sox culture in 2021 when they ran away with the AL Central, right? And then same manager, same coaching staff, same players last year, and all of a sudden from literally April on, mm -hmm. it's the questions are constantly, what's going wrong in the clubhouse? Why is there, what, what is the problem? What is going on? Well, the problem was they're losing. That was the problem. And I think if they, if they start winning, it'll reflect very well on, on Pedro Grafol. If they can't get this thing off the ground, it will not reflect well on, on him or, or anybody else. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot of coach speak. It is important, I think, inside those walls, you know, and, 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 you know, myself and the other writers and the people who are around that team try to convey a little bit of what that's like in there and why it is important in there to the outside world. But I think the definition of these kind of terms in the fan base is always going to be different than the definition of the terms with the people who are actually part of that organization. Yeah, and we know Pedro Grafal's taking it seriously. Um, you have that comment about him taking it seriously. Like, this is his first job. There was a joke in one of the videos where we got to meet Pedro's family on the White Sox YouTube channel is that there's 100 senators and only 30 baseball managers, and he's got that opportunity. Um, it's it's a, a one of 30 opportunity. He's been waiting his whole life for this, and it doesn't seem like he's going to, you know, mess around. But still, Pedro Grafal isn't going to try to win. You know, he's going to try to win 87, 90 plus games, but it's the players that end up doing that at the end of the day. So hopefully the culture is right. Hopefully uh, his seriousness leads to the White Sox being serious. And it seems like, you know, spring training results have been good. Doesn't seem like anyone's upset with the effort. So, hey, pat yourself on the back, Pedro. It's been a good couple five days that you've strung together back to back to back. Um, let's get into some 2023 project projections. We've been talking about Innings pitched, who's going to throw the most innings pitched in 2022, most stolen bases on yesterday's episode, most hits last week as well. We're going to go to the bullpen this time. We're going to go back to pitching, and we're going to talk about most saves in 2023. Obviously, there is the glaring question mark about Liam Hendricks. Um, not really sure how to include him in 
this conversation, but we must because he's been the save leader for the White Sox over the past two years. So what does Liam Hendricks' question marks mean? Do we have any, I mean, now that we're closer to the season, do we have any um, idea what might happen with Liam? Uh, what, what, where do the White Sox go with Liam here? Well, I, I think that's still to be determined. And, and certainly, you know, Rick Hahn, when, when all this became news, when, when Liam announced this on social media, the, the statement from the White Sox was, we'll, we'll update his status closer to opening day. Rick Hahn reiterated that at the start of spring training, that they'll, the White Sox will update his status as soon as they get closer, once they get closer to opening day. I think we saw uh, not too long ago, was it just last week, uh, Liam update everybody with round three of, of, of chemotherapy for him. So, um, But certainly he's been around the facility. We saw him throwing down there in Arizona out in the ball on the ballpark and everything. So um, listen, it should be no surprise that uh, uh, his teammates have heard him say that he plans to pitch this year. Uh, he wants to pitch this year. Uh, of course he does. He's Liam Hendricks, right? But um, we'll see. We'll find out when uh, when probably in the next couple of weeks what the outlook, at least for the beginning, the first half of the season, something like that might be. Um, as of right now, it seems like it, it seemed a couple weeks ago when I was down in Arizona, closer by committee. They've got a, a pretty loaded bullpen, in my opinion, just in terms of the number of guys um, who you could see playing those classic late-inning roles, uh, you know, veterans like Graveman and Kelly, Young guys who impressed last year, like Lopez and 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 Lambert. Uh, you got Crochet coming back. We we don't know exactly what Aaron Bummer is going to be like after some injury uh, uh, plagued seasons for him, but um, they've got a lot of guys it seems, and uh, it, it would not be a surprise to me really if there's a number of guys who end up uh, competing for the team lead in saves here. Uh, but to 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 get started here at the outset, I think you've got to go into the season thinking that Liam Hendricks won't be a part of the bullpen until he can be again. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure even really from a, you know, we're not even talking about like, oh, after X rounds of chemotherapy, how long do you need right. to come back and play Major League Baseball? I think it's more of a, what is his timeline on his recovery uh, or on his his process in getting healthy and in, in, in beating this uh, this cancer? I mean, that's kind of what I think you're waiting to hear from. Obviously, those are uh, those. That's something that he's discussing with his doctors. But uh, the White Sox will give more of a baseball related update, and uh, we'll see if that includes the optimism of him pitching for this team this year. But I think at least at the outset, you've got to go into it thinking that the answer to the question of the of the podcast today, right? Who's going to lead the team in saves? Probably for the first time since he signed that contract, it's going to be somebody other than Liam Hendricks. Yeah, like I won't count Liam Hendricks out from coming back this year, but I'm just in my own mind saying that he's going to be out for the year, just for my own peace of mind, just so I don't you know think about it. Because if you do, you're going to go crazy thinking like, okay, when's this guy who's battling cancer coming back to pitch for my baseball team? Who cares? I don't, I don't give a damn damn. But there's many of options. The one thing that Rick Hahn has done is made a lot of bullpen moves the last couple of years and has qualified people to finish the job for Liam Hendricks in his stead. So I don't know who they're going to give this the number to. I don't know if you want me to give the actual my answer right now, Sean. But no, no, no. Okay, but there I really don't care if Liam pitches this year at all. I mean, I know that's everybody's feeling. So right. and I'm just for my own peace of mind, I'm just going to say, you know, he's out for the year. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Again, it's not like you said, it's not a thing that we're going to be watching and waiting for, you know, is he going to be back by X date or not? Like when he announces that he's back or not coming back, you know, that that's, we'll go from there. Cause we're, we're not going to try to push a guy again who is battling cancer uh, back onto the field because that's obviously more important than a little baseball game. Uh, but we hope to see him back. I mean, obviously we hope him to kick cancer's ass and be back as soon as possible and, you know, be coming out repping 31 and being a, a great South sider, you know, and, and he still is, even though he's uh, currently going through what he's going through. We're wishing the best from him. And I did see the White Sox uh, tweet out about the uh, Liam shirt that you just bought. So uh, I think if you buy one, uh, they're also donating one as well. So make sure that you check that out uh, at whitesox.com slash team Liam. Uh, last year, Liam Hendricks obviously led the team in saves 37. Kendall Graveman second with six. Aaron Bummer had two. And then Joe Kelly, Matt Foster and Bennett Souza all had one. I'll tell you, it's not going to be Bennett Souza because he's in Cincinnati. Um, but is there any guy that from 2022 kind of had a good season where he should be the leader or is it by committee? I mean, I think it is by committee just because it looks like that's how Pedro Grafol wants to handle it. Uh, I will say this. 
Kendall Graveman was really, really good last year. And I, and I think that, you know, there were a couple moments, uh, the notable moments of him having a bit of a blow up that people kind of latched onto, but he was excellent last season. And, and I think, uh, that really in an, in, if you were going by the circumstance of, oh, well, we've got to have somebody to be the guy in the ninth inning. If you're going by that mindset, by that way of thinking, Kendall Graveman, in my opinion, would be the no doubt next man up, right? But I don't think that's the way Pedro Grifol is going to handle it. Maybe it's because he's a data guy and and he's talked about, you know, looking at matchups and and putting guys in the most uh, high pressure situations, no matter what inning that's in. Or maybe it's because they're coming into this season knowing this and they don't necessarily need to rearrange things. They can plan ahead to have this kind of way that they're going to deploy the bullpen. It's not, oh man, it's June and Liam Hendricks went on the injured list with a, with a baseball injury. We've got to keep our process kind of intact and just kind of slide somebody into that role. I think them going into the season allows them to approach it really any way they want or, or any way they see fit. Uh, and from what we've heard, from the manager, it's going to be anybody at any time, and, and he's got the options uh, to work with in order to do that. So, um, again, if, if you're the kind of person who wants to just plug in somebody for the ninth inning and that's their job, Kendall Graveman, I thought, pitched well enough last year to earn that opportunity, but it doesn't look like that opportunity will be necessary. Plus, you got a lot of guys on the White Sox who, in this bullpen, at least in their comments, and Liam Hendricks is certainly one of them, who don't care about that who really seem to be all about put me in whenever you want me to my job is to go get those outs and it doesn't my job is not to get the outs in this particular order it's mm. to get whatever outs I'm out there to, to to get and so we've heard we obviously have heard that from Liam Hendricks dating back to his uh you know introductory press conference after he signed that contract we heard it from Kendall Graveman this spring earlier this spring it really seems to be the mindset in that bullpen um and I think you know whether it's Hendricks it trickling down from Hendricks or they've just gotten a bunch of guys who think the same way, I think that only benefits them if this is the way that they're going to go. Well, and that's the one group on a baseball team that is like a team, right? And like they are obviously are trying to one-up each other because if they're one-upping each other, then, hey, we're doing a good job. We're winning baseball games. That's what we get paid to do. I think that's why uh, having the nice little uh, Thor's, what is it, hammer? Molnir. Yes, it's a hammer. Uh, Molnir, yeah. yeah Molnir, and then uh, having the, uh, the, the the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, you know, a nice way to kind of keep the competition alive. We're all just kind of doing the one thing and that's striking guys out and getting outs. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, a bullpen, like you mentioned, Herb, uh, Rick Hans definitely built this bullpen out. Yeah. And I would like, as Vinny was alluding to for, even if Liam was on the team, I would like for matchups to be King. So there's an out in the seventh inning and outs need to be had. And there's a tough part of the lineup coming up, say Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor are coming up. Put Kid of Graveman in there if you want to. Put Aaron Bummer in there to make them bat from, well, make Jose Ramirez bat from the right side and make a tougher at bat for Josh Naylor. I don't care. I would like Pedro to do the more analytical thing to get the outs because the save, yeah, I know that is big and I know that's what the show is about. In reality, 25, 26, and 27 are just another out. And I know players talk about it as different. But I think that's a mindset, too, like where you try to psych yourself out to thinking that those outs are tougher. Theoretically, they're not. You could be facing a seven, eight, nine of a of a lineup instead of a three, four and five. So whoever goes in in the ninth inning, I just want that person to be well suited for that. Now, Kendall Graveman is the only person on the White Sox current roster that has done the job as a actual guy. They look to do it. Joe Kelly has saves in his career, but he wasn't the guy at the time and Kendall Graven only did it for the first half of the Seattle uh, 2021 season before he got traded to the Astros where he wasn't the guy anymore. But if it comes down to experience, that would be the guy I would want in the ninth inning, getting the most saves for the White Sox in 2023. Yeah. Let's look at the roster real quick. we got a super chat from Stefan Bardo. Uh, anyone concerned about Aaron Bummer? Uh, I like the depth for the bullpen. Um, just to update on Aaron Bummer, he did just throw 35 pitches in a second bullpen session and says that he likes where he currently is. Um, he said, I know that I'm not a starter that needs two or three innings, anything like that. 
uh, just need reps. So I think that right now he seems on schedule to be ready for opening day. That's what you hear from them. That's what you hear uh, from the player. It's what you hear from the manager. So I think until anybody says otherwise, uh, you have to expect that he would he would be ready for opening day. Uh, I would just, you know, have a little bit of skepticism, not against anything that they're saying, just because that's how baseball works sometimes. And hey, if he needs one more week, you know, in Arizona to just get get to where he's feeling a, the most comfortable he can be, that's not going to be a great detriment to the White Sox. A, because of what Stefan says, the, the bullpen is deep. You could theoretically play your first four games and not need Aaron Bummer. It's very, it's, it's very possible. Or it could just be a situation where, you know, you have... Gregory Santos or whoever just fill that roster spot for for six or seven or ten days and then you bring Aaron Bummer back. So it, it's not it's not something that I think would be like oh my god if the sky is falling if Aaron Bummer's not on the opening day roster. There could just be a situation where he just needs another week or two uh, to to make sure he's fully comfortable and fully healthy to help this team as much as they're they're going to rely on them because we know bullpen guys get used all the time and they're going to be uh counted on quite a bit but uh, i think they have the depth to weather him if he needs that but hey he might not totally agree i think that uh him starting the first week of the season is not necessarily like necessary it's you need to have him for the majority of the games not just the beginning of the season and yes, we don't have a lot of lefties like who are people you can count on right now. Garrett Crochet is going to start his season, you know, rehabbing and in the minors. And then you go to uh, Diekman. Wasn't a great year, but you can survive. And as Vinny says, you can go probably the first week, maybe, without needing an a Aaron Bummer type in that spot. So yeah, if if he needs extra time, a month even, to get right, I, that's the thing with Aaron. Like, I don't, don't need him to start and stop, start and stop. I need him to be consistent. Like, if he needs to get this through his system and be a fully healthy Aaron Bummer and make sure that is a fully healthy Aaron Bummer, take a couple months. I don't care because we need Aaron Bummer for the stretch drive. Yeah, he uh, he struggled with health in 2020, only nine and a third innings pitched then, and then in 2022, 26 and two-thirds, but he was able to be there in 2019 and 2021, and that's why they extended him uh, over one war seasons uh, in both 2019 and 2021 when he's been healthy. Let's look at the bullpen right now as it's projected uh, by Fangraph's roster resource. They have Kendall, Gra- and they have four closers, or five closers right now projected for the White Sox. Uh, Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer, Joe Kelly, Reynaldo Lopez, and Jake Diekman all projected as closers. And then Jose Ruiz, Nick Avila, and Jimmy Lambert uh, f- filling out the bullpen. I know we saw some questions about Crochet. Doesn't seem like he'll be ready for opening day. No, in fact, uh, uh, the word from Rakan at the start of spring training, literally day one when we showed up, was probably mid-May in terms of him returning to the Major League mound. Now, he's healthy and he's ready to go, but he hasn't pitched in a very long time, so he's probably going to, not probably, he will be going on a rehab assignment when the uh, minor league season begins in April, uh, and it'll probably be a a fairly long one to just get him uh, back to game action, used to game action, and then mid-May is the projection of when he will be back with the big, big league team. And then I would just throw in, too, on the bummer thing. If he's not there, it seems like Tanner Banks. I mean, he's another lefty. Um, we've seen him get called up at the start of the season last year. And, um, you know, at 57's been been all right at the major league club. So I would be surprised if they uh, try to replace him with another lefty. But I do like the Gregory Santos call uh, as well. So looking at the bullpen, Graveman, Bummer, Kelly, Lopez, Diekman, Ruiz, Avila, Lambert. Um, who do you think gets the most saves out of this group? Right now, for the favorites, I put Hendricks as... Plus 100, uh, basically you give me a dollar, I'll give you a dollar back if Liam Hendricks has the most saves. I don't want to rule him out. I mean, there could be a, fa- uh, you know, uh, I don't, you know could, he could come back in May and he's going to be the closer for the rest of the year if he comes back in May. Um, you know, he could he could just go on a run where he goes 20 for 20 and saves and there you go. Um, he's got the most saves. So I don't want to rule him out just yet because we haven't officially uh, heard anything from the White Sox. So I'll put him at plus 100, Graveman at plus 120, Kelly at plus 175, Raylo at plus 225, got a tie at plus 300, three to one. Uh, Bummer, plus 325. Lambert, plus 500. Deweys, plus 600. We'll call the rest Deakman, Avila, Banks, Crochet, the field. Um, so who do we like? Who sticks out out of this group? Graveman, to me. He's the only one who's done it. And he, as as Vinny said, had a pretty decent year. And I think, yeah, people think about that Rockies game where he just couldn't get out of that game. And he gave up, I think, six earned runs in that game. So it ballooned his uh, ERA. But, yeah, Graveman, I think, is the solid choice for the one that's going to have the most saves. 
Now, Kelly had the six ERA, but as we discussed before, it was only like a three and a half FIP on his year. And his movement, as Sean has uh, illustrated a couple times, on his curveball was filthy. It was nasty, and he had filthy uh, stuff. But I don't know if you want to have that at the back end of your bullpen because one of the problems that he did have is he walked the yard. He walked a lot of people. So I don't need to have that uncertainty of will he be having his good stuff today and will he be putting people on base? And the other thing with Kendall Graveman too, he doesn't get barreled up that much. And so that's one thing that you are looking for. His sinker is phenomenal. He keeps the ball on the ground. I think at a 55% clip, that's what you want. You want ground balls. And if it's an improved White Sox defense, those ground balls should be turned into outs. I think Kendall Graveman has got to be the pick, but I, th- I mean, I, I'll just say, you know, it could be all of these guys could have a similar number. And I think if, if Pedro Grafola is going to use the bullpen the way that he's forecasting, you could see pl- plenty of huge Kendall Graveman moments in non-safe situations just because it's the seventh inning or the eighth inning. Um, uh, you know, you bring him in for a tie when the game's tied kind of thing. I just, I think he would be the go-to guy in a lot of situations, but those situations might not be in, in racking up saves. So um, people keep talking about Reynaldo Lopez. I think that if you were uh, talking about a traditional bullpen usage, he's a guy that you would have to keep in the back of your mind. I think Joe Kelly told me, man, he's got closer kind of stuff, uh, you know, down down at spring training. So, uh, and, and Joe Kelly's going to be used an awful lot. He's going to be used an awful lot. You're, you're, you're not going to uh, uh, not see him just because of what his ERA was last year. You're going to see plenty of him because he's an experienced guy um, and a guy who, you know, goes after hitters, no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, Graveman's probably the answer, but w- what would the difference be? I mean, it could be 12 saves to 11 yeah. to 10. You know, I, I, I really think that a lot of these guys are going to get chances, and, uh, you know, you're going to see Garrett Crochet ninth innings. You're going to see... Uh, Jake Diekman, ninth innings. You're going to see uh, all, all sorts of stuff. Jose Ruiz for closer. Jose Ruiz. Jose Ruiz. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it could be anybody. Uh, but, no. I mean, th- th- it's a fair point because in, uh, for Fangrass right now, the projections have Liam with 11, Kendall Graveman at 9, Raylo at 5, Bummer at 3, Kelly at 3, Crochet at 3, Diekman at 1. I just um, I just don't feel comfortable projecting anything for Liam just because right. we, we have no idea, right? I mean, it... it let's have this conversation again after the White Sox update us. And if they say, yeah, maybe midseason he could be back, then it would be easy for me to sit here and go, Liam Hendricks slam dunk. But, uh, you know, until we get that update, I don't feel comfortable projecting anything. Right, and then yeah. those 11 saves that are projected, you know, where, where do they end up? Is it, is it Graveman, Raylo, Joe Kelly? We'll have to see. Um, looking at last year uh, with uh, high leverage situations for the White Sox, uh, you got... Aaron Bummer having the lowest XFIP at 187. It was in nine and one-thirds innings, so hopefully he's healthy. Maybe they look to him, uh, especially with that left-handedness. Liam obviously led the team in 25 and one-thirds innings in high leverage with a 297 FIP. Uh, Tanner Banks with only three innings at a 310 FIP, and then Raylo coming in at 356. So I don't know if the guy is there right now. Uh, Kelly, Lopez, Lambert, Graveman all kind of sitting at the same spot when it comes to high leverage situations and, uh, and, and not letting runners score. So... Uh, we'll see. I've I've always advocated for Raylo just because I think his stuff is nasty. He's trying to up his velocity, and I feel like that's probably going to play out pretty well. Usually, when you throw harder uh, coming out of the bullpen, guys swing and miss. So I I personally like Raylo, and he just seems to have a little less of uh, volatility. Where Kelly, you know, he's got that crazy knuckle curve, but it's it's tough to control it. We know the White Sox aren't that great at blocking, so I, I like Raylo. Well, I will make this point too. I think it's important to note that. Uh, Pedro Grafol and all this conversation about how he's going to use the bullpen has thrown a little asterisk in there, right? And that is, if someone emerges, someone emerges. And that person could be Lopez. It could be Graveman. It could be somebody else. But, they're, you know, we're, we're planning for them to do this closer by committee thing. Well, what if somebody goes out there, whether it's Lopez, Graveman, Kelly, whoever, and it's just zeros, 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 all right, keep using them in the ninth inning. Let them sl- slam the door. They're showing they can do it. Of course, you wouldn't fix it if it wasn't broken kind of thing. So I, I think that that's certainly a possibility, and, and we shouldn't be ruling that out as something that could happen, even though we have been told this is how they want to use the bullpen. Things don't always go according to plan, and that can be good things that don't go according to plan as well. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I, I've 
would love to see Garrett Crochet come out and, you know, he's he's healthy in May, and then, boom, he, he wins that job. It'd be great to see Aaron Bummer, who got that extension, finally be healthy, and maybe he, he's able to win that out, or or Raylo. Could be anybody, though. Could be all five guys. You know, we'll have to see. Maybe um, they all get to pitch at the same time. Maybe. On the mound. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I like who's your daddy's take of it, uh, where he just said, uh, maybe there, it's a trick question. No one gets any saves. Uh, the White Sox are just horrible. Uh, and they, they don't, I win think his games. comment was that they win every game by five or more runs. Oh, okay. There you go. They don't, it's just Tanner Banks closing out the you're game. You're putting a lot, you're putting, you're assuming league. negativity, but, uh, yeah. but it was optimism. I usually assume negativity. That's, that's on me <laughs> though. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, I'll go Raylo Herb. You're going Graveman. It seems like you're going Graveman, but it could be anybody. It could be a tie. Let us know your picks in the comments and hit us up on Twitter. Going to let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook. It is March Madness. It is tournament time, and you can go check out the futures on who's going to win the NCAA title now on DraftKings Sportsbook. A ton of different markets, even in the MLB futures markets. They have regular season win props right now. The White Sox uh, win prop total is at 83 and a half. You can either go over or under, but Cody and I today on CHGO Best Daily talked about the win bands. So like 81 to 86, 87 to 92. If you want to get a little bit more specific, you can make those picks on DraftKings Sportsbook at plus money uh, to, to drive that home as well. Um, just to give a little NBA pick as well, I like the Bucks tonight on the money line at minus 135. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And also got to let you know about ComEd Lighting. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy and uh, energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to our commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. And customers can inquire about how to update lighting to energy and money-saving LED, uh, efficient LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor-outdoor lighting and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than before. So visit comet.com slash powering B-I-Z now to start saving money and energy. That's comet.com slash powering B-I-Z. Start a project and contact us at 1-855-433-2700. For more information, you can email businessee at comet.com or public sector ee at comet.com. Let's get into the Mailbag Monday questions. I do see a blank name mentioning uh, Lance Lynn. We're going to get to Lance Lynn and a little WBC talk. At the end, preview Big Bastards, Big Day against uh, Great Britain. But let's go to the Mailbag. Canadians, uh, we'll isn't he pitching? Aren't they playing the oh, Canadians Oh, Canadians. Uh, Great Britain just took uh, tied it up against Columbia, 3-3. I saw that highlight and just got my team confused. Yes. The Brits have horrible jerseys, by the way. So uh, make sure you're watching that whenever <laughs> or they already played. Uh, but yeah, the ugly, ugly jerseys. Uh, let's get into our first Mo- Mailbag Monday. Um, and if you do want to ask us a question for Mailbag Mondays, these are all from our diehards. Uh, you can go to allchgo.com, sign up to be a diehard. You get a shirt when you sign up. You get a nice membership card. You get some stickers as well. Uh, and you get to join the Discord and chat with all of our lovely White Sox fans, but we got tons and tons of channels if you're a Cubs fan as well. I want to talk about all their big signings from today. Let's go first across the pond to our guy, Ian Robo. And of course, his is about injuries. Uh, we have no injuries so far that we don't know about before spring training. So is that a fluke or is something really changed with their prep to make a real difference? What did Vinny observe down there or uh, what did you speak to people about? More Pilates for the White Sox, is Ian, Ian wondering. I, I don't have any... I don't have any Pilates-related updates, but I can say this. I think it was a, a previous episode, either right at the end of my time in Arizona or right after I got back, that, you know, you guys asked me, hey, you said you wanted to find out what happened. What did they do to address this kind of injury stuff? Uh, and and I did not have the answer that Rick Hahn gave me in front of me at the time, and so I kind of paraphrased, but I do have it in front mm-hmm. of me right now, so I'd be happy to share it with you. Um, and here you go. I asked what did the White Sox do this offseason that gives them more confidence that they're in a better spot to prevent injuries? And here was Rick's answer. A lot of it had to do with the additions we've made from a staff standpoint, the monitoring of the offseason workouts, which we obviously weren't able to do last year, the stronger communication, the adjustment to programs on the fly, and using perhaps a little better use of technology over the course of the offseason. And that's just continuing now. We continue to have meetings and players and staff have meetings to craft programs and adjust where needed, obviously making use of our lab here in Arizona, as well as other new technology in season that will be available to us to put us in a better position. I want to be extremely clear. Unfortunately, you're never going to eliminate injuries. What we're trying to do is trying to increase the odds of keeping guys as available as possible. 
That's good to hear. And I do just want to say, like, part of it, why we haven't heard a ton, is just these guys are healthy. We heard about Lucas Giolito and not monitoring weight training programs in 2022, and he talked about how he kind of overworked his body, got a little bit too built up, and he thinks that that threw off his mechanics, and he ended up hurting his oblique. He's fully healthy. His oblique isn't hurt. Great news for the White Sox. Same with Yohan Moncada. His oblique is fully healthy, not hurt. He looks good. He looks like normal Yohan Moncada. That's great for the White Sox. Tim Anderson, his finger is all healed up. His groin is fine. He's hitting balls to right field in the World Baseball Classic. He looks fine. Luis Robert just needed time for his wrist to heal up, and that is probably the least concerning of all the injuries. Probably Tim's uh, finger injury as well, just because those were kind of freak minor injuries, and they've now all healed up. So it's just kind of maintaining these players and making sure that they don't break down. But um, I, I do like their biomechanic uh, additions uh, through the, the offseason. It seems like they're really leaning into that, and hopefully that leads to uh, good results for the White Sox. Yeah, and I think what goes hand-in-hand hand with this, too, is kind of the talk you heard. And, again, you hear it every offseason. There's the there, – you hear it every spring, I should say, the great cliche of best shape of your life kind of thing. But I think you do need to listen when you ask guys, what did you do this offseason? What have you been working on this offseason? And we had – Yoan Moncada and Luis Robert Jr. both say, well, they changed the way they worked out this offseason. They did it different than they'd ever done before. Lucas Giolito and Aloy Jimenez both look great. They looking they they look like they've lost weight. They did lose weight, obviously, but they were saying that it was uh, 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 you know in an effort to get back to where they were physically when they were having more success. And certainly Aloy uh, was one of the guys you didn't mention there. Yep. He was tremendous in the second half last year, even dealing with the after effects of the leg injury that, that he suffered early in the season. Well, guess what? His leg doesn't hurt anymore. You, you know, that can only, that can only be a positive. Um, you know, I think all that stuff and, and then talk about the workouts, right? I mean, my God, Yasmani Grandal's nearly knocking himself out on the West side <laughs> over here, working out with the, with the Blackhawks. So uh, I, I think that, you know, that kind of stuff, that individual stuff, goes along with what the team is trying to do because Rick Hahn's right. You can't eliminate injuries. So much of this is just bad luck, bad baseball luck, and it happens all the time to every team every year. It's reducing the odds of these guys missing a ton of time, reducing the odds of it happening to your team you know, more at, at, at a greater rate than it's happening to other teams. I think the White Sox are, have done what they can to try to make that happen. But the White Sox, the guys, the players, have done their part this offseason too. Yeah, and it's good to see that Rick uh, got back to you, Vinny, right there, because that is awesome. Mitigating injuries for this team will probably be their biggest win because we know if they actually play, they're going to post. They're gonna, The numbers are going to look right. And we see already with the guys, and uh, we're going to be talking about Lance Lynn a little later, but Man, that guy looks good already in spring training. Like, he had an injury last year that pretty much took him out for, I know he came back, what, in the middle of May or June, but he wasn't right. He wasn't Lance Lynn until the end of the year. So, yeah, having Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and the rest of the staff go out and do things to, you know, actually see what the players are doing in the offseason, and he spoke to it. The offseason of 2021, where they had the lockout, was tough. You couldn't have communication with the guys or else you're breaking Major League Baseball rules right there. So this year, I think it will be a better year just because I think 20, 2022 was a, a disaster year for the White Sox across the board. Whatever could go wrong did go wrong. I think just by natural happenstance, they'll be healthier. But I'm glad that Rick Hahn took a proactive uh, approach at attacking the problems and hiring more people to see what they might be doing wrong, what they can do to improve sports performance and keeping these players on the field. And again, to be fair, uh, they haven't played any regular season games. So let's see uh, how it turns out in 2023. And we've known that there's all been a lot of injuries in 2021 and 2022. Hopefully we don't have to worry about uh, Billy Hamilton being called up as the fourth outfielder or, you know, taking more time. Like uh, hopefully you know, the White Sox can stay as healthy as possible in 2023 and kind of uh, turn that tide uh, over the past two years. Uh, let's go to the next uh Mailbag Monday question. Uh, thank you, Ian, for that one. Uh, let's go next to Stephen Gottrit. We touched upon this a little bit yesterday, but in what ways would each of you change the environment of American baseball to increase the entertainment value and activate the fans in the stands? Examples including a live band, having more active cheer slash pep teams, horn guy, et cetera. Um, I threw out a student section, uh, dollar beer night for those students just to get them ridiculously uh, riled up and crazy. And maybe that sets an example, but uh, I don't know. I feel like... No horn guy. No, no horn guy? No horn guy. Nope. 
pass on the horn guy. Too loud? It just, <laughs> yeah, couldn't do it, man. Not, what if we not had, every like, pitch, no thanks. What if we had like six horn guys and they're all different pitches? <laughs> so it's just kind of like a little song that they're singing. No? <laughs> Listen, you know me. Yeah, I, Vinny's got to go to more games than us, so yeah, let's, exactly. let's hear I his opinion on calm, it. Vinny wants I would, quiet. I would calm down on me <laughs> trying to put me through all of that. But what I was going to say is I am, I'm a sucker for uh, a, a, a band, a, 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 whether if it's football, it's a marching band. If it's basketball, it's a pep band. I've been in both. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for that, and I think it's fantastic, especially if you can give me the marching band versions of thematically appropriate songs, like you go to the Big Ten Tournament and the Maryland Band is playing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. That sort of thing, obviously, I'm a sucker for. But I, I think the answer probably is make the tickets cheaper, right? <laughs> I mean, right? right? Like, that's the thing is that, like, you pay all this money to go to the game. A, there's a certain kind of... Uh, fan base that you're appealing to, the ones that can afford uh, a day at the ballpark. And uh, the second thing is like, you know, you paid all this money, you're expecting a certain kind of atmosphere. You pay a $5 cover charge at a, you know, to walk into a dive bar or something like that. Nobody's really, you know, who knows what you're expecting, whatever. I'll take what comes with it. So um, that's probably the actual answer. But, you know, again, it's it's filling the park up uh, and it's and it's getting people into the game. And I think the, listen, the pitch clock and, and this more movement, more excitement, more stolen bases, that's probably a step in the right direction towards accomplishing that because the more exciting stuff that's happening on the field, the more excitement there's going to be in the stands. So, I think the players and the managers, they have to take the lead. We see in the Latin American ballparks where the crowd is festive, but they're reacting also to what's going on in the field. The players are like, we're having a good time. We're having an enjoyable time. The Venezuela-Dominican Republic game the other day, just electric, just energy throughout the game even though dominican was getting beat the whole game you could tell the dominican fans were still like let's go come on let's go playing their instruments and things like that that's what we need to introduce more culture more music more fun more vibrance and i think the young vibrant team that was here in 2020 and the 2021 team that type of vibe will lend itself to more fun more fun in the atmosphere and so we will cheer a little bit more. I'm not opposed to having bands in the uh, stands. I'm done with the old school baseball, the organist. I'm sorry, Nancy Faust. You're great, but you're Nancy Faust. You're one of one. Of one. I don't need an organist from here on out. I don't understand that. I never understood an organist in baseball. And so we need more live music, more uh, excitement at the ballpark. Because when I hear an organ, I think about church. I think about boring. I don't need that. And I love Nancy Faust. And she did some good things. Not a hey, hey, goodbye. Great song. As Vinny said, she did that appropriate from a, a steam song. But I don't need that. That was in the 70s and the 80s and 90s. We're in 2023 now. We need to grow up with the players and the people who are currently, you know, teenagers. We need to get those people into the church instead of appealing to people who are 40 like myself. Where are we in? We're not going anywhere. We need Cascade back. That's what we need. We need Cascade leading the charge. I mean, August 12th was electric on the south side. We don't want that energy back? Come on. Uh, bring back south side legend Cascade uh, to, to Chicago. Um, I agree with Vinny, though. I mean, tickets, just just make them cheaper. I mean, basically what? You spend $100 on tickets, 85 on food, 31 on parking, and then sitting in silence in the crowd is priceless. I mean, no, nothing nothing better than well, just, all right, let's let's sit here. What's the, what's the clo- what is the closest Major League Baseball has gotten to that in recent years, right? Oakland, where nobody goes. Mm-hmm. But you got those guys and the gals sitting out in the outfield. They're going nuts. They're goofing around. They're, you know, and they probably got those tickets for what? Like a dollar to get into the Coliseum <laughs> where there's nobody there every night. Like you need that, but like times like 10,000. <laughs> and and so, you know, that's that's one way to accomplish it. But uh, yeah, uh, no, no. I'm going to pull my old man card and say I am going to vote down DJs. Oh. <laughs> They have tried that. No one is excited when the DJs come out. I agree. And you even to like the, the vamping, like the crowd work, like where you have like, you know, the, the studio oh. host or the, the in, in game host, like those people are always horrible. Why do you Sorry. hate Alyssa Bergamini? Stop hating Alyssa Bergamini. I didn't say any I'm, names. I'm, I'm messing <laughs> with you. Um, I hear Jared saying teenagers are awful. I get it. I don't have kids, but when I see teenagers, I'm like, I'm good. But if you're trying to grow the game, you're not trying to get people like me. We're done. There's no 40-year-old dude that never watched baseball is going to become a baseball fan. That's over. His life is cashed on baseball. He's already made his decision. You need to have teenagers in the door. And so you need to do things for teenagers. 
Well, and you see all of the places. Uh, you see uh, Taiwan. You see Japan. Those places are electric. Those places are all fired up. They get real baseball in their countries. And then, you know, Miami, they have the, the connection to all those islands. It's pretty easy for those people to get over to Miami. And then Mexico, obviously, playing in Chase Field in Phoenix. Like, that's great. And I don't want to trash on PHNX or any of the Phoenix fans. Um, but, like, I don't think of Phoenix when I think of baseball. Like, of course, that is a dead town for USA. Like, baseball fans aren't that riled up in the United States. We see these guys each and every day in our own towns. Like, and then you go to Phoenix, of all places, to, like, host the United States baseball. Like, I feel like there could have been a better choice. Not sure exactly what that is. Maybe New York State, uh, uh, New York and City Field or Yankee Stadium. You really don't know why they picked Phoenix? No. They picked because half spring training. The yeah, well, okay. Well, half right, the right. league is sitting there. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, spring training, and that makes sense for Miami. But, like, still, like, again, if we're talking about atmosphere, Phoenix was the wrong choice, I think. I mean, that Here's the stadium thing. sucks. So, are, yes, it's dark. Here's the thing, though. You're, you're talking about... You're talking about two different things, right? You're talking about international fans rooting for their countries and and Major League Baseball on a nightly basis, right? So the, if the question is the way, how do you bring that into Major League Baseball, it has to be organic. It has to be a reflection of the culture of those places, right? There needs to be some Chicago thing that is done on the south side. There needs to be some unique Denver thing that's done at Coors Field. There needs to be, uh, you know, a unique Boston thing that's done at Fenway Park. Like it, it, it's it it needs to be organic. And they tried that out in Oakland. They tried it, but uh, you know, there's only so many people that they can get out to those A's games. What's the break? What's the break time between innings? A minute thirty. It's a commercial break, so it's what? Yeah, two minutes. Well, something like that? when we used to do it, it used to be one forty on the break, and then two minutes total for the full break. Okay, so about two minutes. So. What if, what if we do like uh, on the south side uh, the, in the minute right there you get the in what studio host or in stadium host uh, and uh, one of the people in the crowd you just random selected they have to chug a beer within a minute I feel like people get routed up try to cheer that guy on or chug a beer or that woman or whatever sure don't I, don't I mean know. they do that right isn't that like a thing they do on jumbotrons and basketball games and stuff like that yeah it needs to be something different something kooky make it a champ I mean yeah, I need to bring I mean, the reverse cam into things. When someone eats a hot dog and it shows them taking the hot dog out, Ooh. you know, when they're eating food, oh. the reverse cam. They did that in Milwaukee for the Bucks that, a lot. That sounds it's kind of gross, that, but it sounds unpleasant. It gets you. It say. gets you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a cool thing. I know it's minor leagues and it's a non-affiliated team, but look at what the Savannah bananas, bananas are doing down there. Fun sure. actual activities, but mostly inside the game. Maybe you can borrow something from them while still having the integrity of Major League Baseball still stay solid. Yeah, because they do a lot of things untoward to baseball that purists would be like, "No, nah, we're good." Hire the owner of the Savannah's uh, Savannah Bananas to just be the creative director for Major League hey. Baseball. You got uh, Theo Epstein being the, the rules. Sox, the Sox had him. The Sox had Bill Vec already. This is this has already been done. <laughs> Bill Vec two point <laughs> um, All right. Well, appreciate Stephen for the answer, and we see him uh, hanging out uh, in the chat as well. Thank you to the diehard Stephen Gottfried for uh, the, the question, and uh, we'll try to fix baseball for you and all the crowds. Uh, let's go to the final question. It's from uh, another person hanging out with us in the chat. Uh, Soxmon seventy two. Uh, she said, "How do the Sox justify putting Leary on the roster?" other than the contract with the awful springs he's had and the strong spring showing of Hanser Alberto. Yes, Garcia can play a lot of positions, but if you're not doing it well, seems like a no-brainer that it's time for him to go. And the odd thing that I've you know, heard from Rick Hahn is that Romy Gonzalez is a Ben Zobris type. So if you got another guy who could be a utility-type player, does Leary have a spot on this roster? I mean, let's put it this way. I'm uh, Had you asked me this before we went down, to uh, spring training, I would have said, yeah, of course he does. Um, uh, since coming back from spring training, it's probably a little less than 100%. I still think Larry Garcia ends up on this team, but um, there's some doubt. I mean, I think, listen, you've got to do what's best for your team, and there are some qualities that Larry Garcia does not possess um, or, or that other players have in more quantity that could be very valuable to this team. I mean, you guys bring up Hanser Alberto. Yeah, he's hitting. That's a good thing, but he's hitting in practice. The thing that people like about Hanser Alberto is the hitting that he's done uh, specifically against, I believe, right-handed pitching mm -hmm. during the regular season. Other way, left-handed. Left-handed pitching, excuse me. And then uh, very much the clubhouse presence that he provides on a regular basis. If those things outweigh 
the versatility that Larry brings, then maybe Hans Alberto does win that roster spot over him. But I wouldn't look at it strictly based on the results of spring training games. Um, you, you might want to look at what the White Sox were willing to do with Dallas Keuchel last year, which was, all right, we'll give you a shot, but if it's not working come mid-May, we got other guys that can do this better, we'll, we'll eat the money. I mean, I think that they, you know, you would, you would go into this really thinking, oh, there's no way they're ever going to cut him loose because they owe him X million over the next two years. They cut, they cut Keiko loose, and they owed him a good deal of money too. So, um, it, it, yes, it's about getting the job done. Did he get it done last year? No, of course he didn't. But I would probably lean towards them giving him a shot to show that he can be the player they paid him to be, which is not an everyday guy, which is a, 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 a guy who can fill in a utility role. Um, I would I would say the odds are probably in favor of them uh, giving him that chance in April uh, 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 rather than just cut him loose at the end of March. That being said, I'm way I'm not way, but I'm less confident to a degree uh, in saying that than I would have uh, you know about two months ago. With Jerry Reinsdorf, loyalty is very important. Louis Garcia is much loved in that White Sox clubhouse, and he's the most tenured White Sox currently. So. It will take a lot for Lurie Garcia to be off of this team. And I know Melissa said, except for the contract, what can you say about it? It's not a necessary meritocracy, and it's a backup's position. So unless Hansa Roberto is way above and much better than Lurie Garcia, and it's showing that where Lurie is dog trash and Hansa Roberto might start for the White Sox, that might be a, a place where you say, hey, I'm going to let Lurie go. But if it's negligible, if it's Hansa Roberto is a little bit better than Lurie Garcia, they're not going to uh, DFA Lurie Garcia just to pay him $11 more million. So, yeah, I, you know, I have my gripes about Lurie Garcia. Main gripe about Lurie Garcia is he plays too much, but that's not his fault. He plays too much because of other factors. And they gave him a contract that was way above his head. But he's going to be on this team for me, I think, no matter what. And if he isn't, like, I think that's a good thing for everybody. That shows the White Sox are more into meritocracy. They're more into, hey, you got to win the job every year. And if you aren't going to win the job, we're going to release you like we did with Dallas, like we did with Lurie, et cetera. So I think he's going to be on this team no matter what, unless there's a change in White Sox doing business. I think he's going to stay on the team for the beginning of the season. And like Vinny said, maybe during the season they see that he's not doing the job, then they might let him go. But it's going to be tough to swallow $11 million just to let him go for Hans or Alberto. Well, and to be fair to Hanser, uh, he's got a little bit of versatility himself. Uh, Plays second base last year, third base, shortstop, first base, and right field. Um, so, so maybe. I mean, if they're a serious ball club, I, I don't really care about them eating money. Uh, eat the money if the, the player is that better. I just don't know if Hanser Alberto is that much better. Um, yeah. However, though, past three years, uh, way to runs created a plus of 82 compared to Leary's 76. He has 56 extra base hits compared to uh, Leary's 46. And it's in about, uh, about, let's say, 60 plate appearances or so, 60 less plate appearances. And against left-handers, uh, Hanser Alberto has a 107 way to runs created plus over the last three years. So he is an above-average major league hitter. Um, and Leary Garcia is not uh, versus lefties or righters. He's still below uh below uh league average so he does provide above average flexibility but i don't know if he brings anything else that's above average so i would say that you know 75 percent chance that garcia makes this team but i wouldn't be surprised if Hanzo alberta makes it come you know may 30th or whatever or march 30th whatever that is i'm jumping two months um but yeah i think Hanzo alberto has a pretty decent chance you just tried to add two months to spring training <laughs> on me that was no. that was frightening no we're ready for baseball uh <laughs> let's take a quick break gotta let you know about foco chicago we've already got the best coverage for your favorite team so get fitted in the best sports gear around foco has you covered from soldier fields to the front room north or south side with hoodies slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between get decked out like tomorrow with a pair from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles foco that's f-o-c-o if you're looking for the perfect gift for the bobblehead collector in your life foco is a fantastic spot for you, uh, but they also got great apparel as well if you're looking to rock your favorite team. So check out foco.com. That's foco, F O C O.com, or click the link in the description below for all non pre sale items. It's the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Thank you to Foco for your support. And we talked about the prices of games. 
how exorbitant they are, $31 for parking. Uh, why don't you just go to Game Time, folks? They're the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you want to go see some of the live bands that might be uh, now uh, <laughs> debuting at Guaranteed Are we booking? Field, are we yeah, booking? We might be booking. Uh, you can go to Game Time, download the app today. Uh, over 15 million people have downloaded the app uh, and have loved scoring the best seats to all of their favorite events. But if you're looking to get to a White Sox game this season, a Bulls game this season, a Blackhawks game this season, the biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy on Game Time because Game Time was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. And the best way to support us is by buying your link, uh, buying your tickets to the link in the description. Join our 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app. Score the best seats to all your favorite events. I know Herb just used it to get the Big Ten tournament tickets, and he had real nice club seats as well. So uh, Fancy. Yeah, check out Game Time. They're, they're great, especially for the upcoming baseball season. All right, let's get in to Lance Lynn. Um, and thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Ian. And thank you, uh, Stephen, for being CHGO diehards and sending in your questions. Let's get into Team USA. They're one and one. Got smoked last night by Team Mexico, 11 to 5. Two of those runs driven in by Tim Anderson. Hmm, maybe he should play more. Maybe he's the best shortstop in America. Who knows? Uh, but has, what has what the playing time breakdown been? One to one. One to one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing crazy. That seems pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Trey Turner should get the start today. Lineups aren't out, but um, I mean, Tim just went two for two, so uh, maybe he gets the start. I'm not sure how DeRosa is going to be uh, deliberating that. There will be a lefty on the mound for Team Canada. It's Team Canada versus Team USA tonight. Mitch Bratt is the 19-year-old and 253-day-old uh, starter. He's going to be the fourth youngest pitcher to start a World Baseball Classic game. Thank you to Sarah Langs for that stat. Um, but Matt, Mitch Bratt saying, uh, I haven't thought much about it because I, f- I felt... <laughs> If I do, I might get overwhelmed a bit looking at the USA lineup of Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. Uh, hasn't turned out well. They're one and one. But uh, what do we make of Team USA? And now Lance Lynn is kind of in this massive spot, Herb, because USA, after losing to Mexico, they got a pretty steep run differential, being down six runs, uh, now negative two runs after the aggregate of the Great Britain and Mexico score. But uh, Lance Lynn in a very tough spot. Uh, USA needs a win here. Perfect guy on the mound. I don't know why. I mean, maybe they were thinking about a different reason why they picked Nick Martinez to start last night's game. Like, Lance Lynn is a better pitcher than him. I think Lance Lynn is a better pitcher than his former Cardinal teammate who started the first game, Chris Carpenter. Oh, not Chris Carpenter, uh, Adam Ringwright. Dude, what's going on? What year is it, Herb? <laughs> exactly. I mean, he was his former teammate, but he's like almost like 70 now. But yeah, Lance Lynn is a perfect pitcher to stem the tide right now for the USA. Uh, they got murdered by the Mexican team, especially by Joey Menenses. He was just on and one last night. I think he had two home runs. But I think he's going to come through big time. And I don't think the Canadian team, even though they demolished the, I think, Great Britain team, they're not that good. And I don't I didn't think the Mexican team was as good as they were, but they came out and they took that rivalry to heart and dominated the uh, United States last night. And this is a must win for the United States. Uh, if they don't win this game, they're going to put themselves in a trick bag to go out and have to get a lot of runs versus the last team. I even forgot who that would have been, was that Nicaragua or something like that. But they have to go out and beat Canada by a good margin tonight, not just win by a good margin because you don't want to be in that tiebreaker like the Cuban, Italy, uh, Pool A people where you're, you're winning games and you got the same record, but they do some weird uh, math and Sean comes up with this little uh, – equation and then like oh cuba and italy they get to go no you don't want to run be quotient that herb run quotient yeah uh, oh you go go i just made this thing up and go ahead go to the next round uh colombia is the other team colombia yeah uh canada colombia mexico usa great britain the uh guy who's pitching for the canadians tonight i saw on twitter is on some like ridiculous pitch pitch count right oh mitch bratt yeah because there there's rules that you can only pitch what, 60 pitch, 65 pitches or something like that? There's like a cap. That's the yep. rule of the tournament. He's like way below that or something. I, I thought I heard somebody say um, on, on the Twitter machine so earlier today. Bob said it's not just Team USA, but virtually all double, well, World Baseball Classics are under instruction from t- affiliated teams. Uh, Rangers, Preston Potters, Mitch Bratt will be allowed to start for Team Canada, but will be pulled before the World Baseball Classic allotted 65 pitches. So 65 is the max, but they're just... They're saying he's not even going to go 65. He might be pulled before 40 or whatever. He might get two innings. And, hey, if he has a really bad first, the only one inning for Mitch Pratt. So here's a question. Is the future of this tournament just bullpen game every game? 
I don't know. I mean, that's part of the, the issue with Team USA is like t- the t- top 20 pitchers in America just didn't play for Team USA. I mean, like our guy Dylan Cease should have been on this team, but uh, he's obviously protecting his arm. And I did have this question too. Like, who's the best pitcher? Is Lance Lynn the best pitcher in the World Baseball Classic? Um, Otani, Urias, Stroman, Martin Perez, Pablo Lopez, Christian Javier, Sandy Alcantara. Is he top five? Yeah, well, it's top five. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Otani, Urias, Alcantara, Javier, Lynn in some order? Probably, right? Maybe I'm sure we're forgetting somebody. But, um, yeah, I mean, Otani's there because he's he's the guy in that country, right? Like, they can't not have Otani on that team. Alcantara's that, uh, in it, so that's really good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the you look – we talked about it when we did our, like, preview show. Like, the, the American pitching staff, from a rotation standpoint – you're, you're you're not getting the star power that you're getting on the hitting side. And the, the hitting side, you know, makes your eyes pop out of your head. But the pitching side, you know, you you look at the guys who threw the first three games, and I bet you the, a majority of, of fans are like, Nick Martinez is who again? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, and Lance Lynn is great, and I'm glad that he's pitching for this team. Uh, but, you know, Adam Wainwright... He's a veteran. He's a he's a name, but he's not you know the guy he used to be. Like this is it's just when you've got the hitters looking so good and the pitchers looking so not not equal, right? You you wonder what does this tournament look like? And here's my question: Just throw put put thirteen closers on the pitching staff and just have them go every day. Why not? Right? Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I'm surprised Nick Martinez got the start and he doesn't even start for your Padres. Nope. He does not, and that's weird. And the the name I was going to say, uh, two people, uh, Cortese said that Pablo Lopez, I think he pitched for Venezuela, and Sasaki, the 20-year-old uh, phenom from Japan. Well, I I, I, let's do major league pitchers just because Sasaki is only 20. We don't know what he'll be like once he reaches the majors. I did have Lopez. I also had Marcus Stroman and Martin Perez on that list, but I, I say Lynn's better than Lopez. Is he? Come on. Are you serious? You guys are going to give me all this crap about the Twins pitching rotation. I say all this stuff off screen, how the Twins are probably going to win the AL Central. They have six real starters, and you guys are like, uh. And now you're telling me Pablo Lopez is better than Lance Lynn? I do not agree with you, Herb. Okay. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I'm just saying. You don't think Pablo Lopez is better than Lance Lynn? No. Is Pablo Lopez going to finish in the top five in the Cy Young vote this year? You guys have been telling me he's not for the past month. No, I said the Twins in general are not going to be better than the White Sox. I I think that Lopez is not. I mean, if you had the, the White Sox rotation, I don't. I think Lopez is their fifth starter. I'll I think take, Giolito I'll take and Kopech are better than Lopez. You'll take Lopez over Lynn? No, I'll take Lynn over Lopez. Okay. Yeah. Stroman or Lynn? That's a good debate. I don't know. I would take Lynn over Stroman. Lance I mean, Lynn's like a lot better than Stroman, isn't he? Herb? Uh, Lance Lynn, yeah. Yeah. For this tournament, Strowman. I don't know, but I, I, take, <laughs> I, think, I think Lynn's better just because it's all about missing barrels. And, like, he's got those three fastballs. He's just trying to make sure that those guys are, you know, just not getting it perfectly on the barrel. It's just all about, you know, going to throw the cutter a little bit to the outside. Going to throw the four-seam fastball in on you. Uh, going to throw the two-seamer low in the zone. And then here comes that weird change in my new my new curveball. I think he's going to dominate tonight. I think he goes 65 easily. I think he probably gets through 65 in five innings. Um, Lance Lynn doesn't fuck around. He's probably just going to throw three pitches right down the middle of the plate, and you got to hit it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm hyping up Lance Lynn a little bit too yeah, much. But I think you know, I'd probably go Otani, Urias, Lynn. No, wait, sorry. I missed Alcantara. Um, Otani, Alcantara, Urias, Lynn Javier, but I could probably flip Javier or Lynn. But anyways. The point is, in a dream world, all these teams that are able to should have five pitchers of that caliber mm-hmm. on them for this tournament. And very clearly, that has not been the case. These elite pitchers are few and far between. They're hard to find in the in the in all the rosters of this tournament. So they got to figure out a way maybe to you know, sidestep this. I mean, this is supposed to be the guys care. They care so much about winning. They're going to go out there and give it all they got. Oh, but let's make sure the pitchers don't throw more than 65 pitches. Like you can't, you can't do that. So let's change the way they do it. Go ahead and get, take starting pitchers out of the equation. Out of all of this, I'm surprised Otani's playing. I mean, he's he's got this huge contract coming up at the end of the season. He's like, no, I'm going to go pitch and hit in the World Baseball Classic. Like, well, it's different that, for him though. Yeah, he's the, he's he's one of, if not the biggest star baseball player in the world, and he's from a foreign country where 
that roster is not full of major league talent. Putting him on Japan makes Japanese games must-see TV. I'm sure there's also, this, he has the same emotions that all the guys that we talked to about playing for Team USA have, right? I'm sure he feels national pride and all that sort of thing too. But, uh, you know, he's he is the attraction here. You know, if Justin Verlander doesn't pitch for Team USA, people are still going to watch Team USA. But they're probably not, not as many watching it or it's not as exciting because it's you're you're tweaking it. You're making it very all star game NBA all star gamey where the teams are scoring two hundred points apiece. Like, you know, they gotta figure out a way if they're gonna build this as real baseball, the thing that everybody cares about, high intensity, they can't have a pitch count on these guys like it's the second week of Cactus League play, which it is. So, um, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out a way to to juice up the intensity there. You know, even the questions are all, oh my God, how do we make um, how do we make uh, regular season baseball look like the WBC? How about it goes the other way a little bit too? Yeah, yeah. I think that um, the reason why Otani plays is, is he's got never scared in him. He's gonna play for his country because he doesn't give a goddamn about being hurt. He doesn't think about being hurt because he's never been as such. I mean, a couple of years ago he was, but he didn't give a goddamn. He played through that too. He just didn't pitch. So representing his country is more important than getting five hundred million dollars on a contract who cares oh that's good I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see it i'm just like i'm happy that you do see otani like you look at all these names and it's like otani is the best hitter and pitcher in this tournament great um i guess he's just the best hitter and pitcher in most baseball anyways but uh still um yeah Oscar and again Kola like should have said that he should have participated for cuba and did both who oh Kola- Oscar Colas. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if the White Sox would love to see him throwing 92 up on a mound. Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, but even then, like, you see Mitch Bratt, you see uh, Lance Lynn. You really don't see those middle guys that are kind of, you know, in their 20s, in their prime, kind of fighting for this. Um, I, I guess you could throw Urias in there. Um, you could throw, um, I mean, I guess Javier. But, like, outside of that, like, again, it's mainly because it means so much to those countries for those guys to participate where Team USA, you know, who cares if we win World Baseball Classic? It's our sport. Um, I do wonder, though, like, if... In our sport, as in we invented it. Um, but, like, I do wonder if there was, like, a, a World Football Classic. Like, would American fans get up for, you know, USA versus all these teams for football? Like, is there any sport that would get us excited? Like, even basketball doesn't do it anymore because the dream team kind of ruined I all mean, that. People seem to like soccer. Uh, That's you know, true, but they're they the underdogs. seem to like the World Cup, but they're bad, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, mean, they, I yeah. heard a point when today. It was, like, they didn't make a... a, a team about a USA team that kicked ass. Like it was a miracle. Like it was the, the underdogs of underdogs. Like that's the stories we like. So. Well, basketball is going to change very soon. And within by the time we leave this earth, that European squads are going to be much better than the United States squad. You already see it happening. They're like, they're developing basketball much more And football. I don't know. It's just our sport. It's a dumb sport that we created and no one else wants to play it except for Canada. Everybody else looks at it and goes, Everybody looks at it and goes, uh, I, that looks like a good way to injure yourself for your entire life. And we're like, yeah, yeah whatever. Let's go. <laughs> Everyone's like, rugby's already around, and it's much safer than your garbage sport. Hey, but they're not making, you know, millions and billions and billions of dollars off rugby. It's, it's, it's the American sport. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for uh, CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And you can check out his latest article at allchgo.com. That's Herb Lawrence. Send him his, uh, what, well wishes? Get well soon. Get well soon. Uh, yeah, at Acton Wall 23. For your sniffly nose. I'll be back. Eventually. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to everybody for hanging out with us in the chat. And if you are still with us, please give us a like on your way out. And thank you to Kevin Wells for producing the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 p.m. here on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel.